The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Lord, I pray that those here today who feel like they are not enough would find all of their enoughness in you. I pray for those here today, Lord, who feel like they have let you down and failed you, that you would remind them that they, were, they are objects of your love. They are objects of your redemption. Lord, I pray today for those who have been hurt by churches, those who have been burnt, and those who are maybe still recovering from church pains, that you would help us to understand how to navigate, how to grow through them, and how to become your holy people. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen. Mark chapter 14, verse 22. This is Jesus sitting around having the Last Supper. I don't know about you guys, but I love, I love trying to imagine what scenes were like. I love trying to think about, because we, we've got the whole story. We've got the story from when Jesus recruited his disciples, and he built them up for years, and now they're sitting here. It's the final week of Jesus' life, the final days of Jesus' life, and he's sitting there with his closest friends. But among these friends, we, we've got Peter, the foot and mouth syndrome. Peter says the wrong thing at the wrong time all the time. We've got John. John was referred to himself in his own book that he wrote as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wasn't prideful at all. We've got Judas. We, we all know Judas, the bad Judas, the Judas who betrayed Jesus. And, and sometimes I think about this Last Supper, and I wonder what the emotional tension was like. It says in verse 22, as they were eating, he broke bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and he and they drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Communion is something that I love. Uh, I love it so much, I never do it in big services. Does that make sense? And, and so some of you this week, um, we had a big rainstorm. Do you guys remember the rainstorm on Wednesday? It was crazy. It was pouring down, but we had refuel, and refuel is where we come together, we sing songs, we pray, and we take communion, but because of the rain, there was just a circle of us, and Re was up here, and they were singing and doing their thing, and Corey was in the back, but there was just a handful of us rain warriors that were here, so when it was time for communion, I just said, come up here, come up here, and we all gathered around the front in this little circle, and I explained to that group, and they all know me well, they know that I don't like taking communion in this type of setting. Because communion, a common union, is a time where, where the early church would eat bread and drink big glasses of wine to remind themselves that Jesus is life. In this bread, it's going to give me energy to live, just like Jesus gives me spiritual energy and salvation to live. And then the forgiveness is like a big glass. Some of you need a big box wine amount of forgiveness. That's why I don't like we do these little things. We, we have a cracker that I'm sure... Whoever makes communion crackers, all they do is they take regular crackers and they put them in the desert for like 30 years so they're as stale as they can get. And then you eat the communion cracker and you, it's so dry, it's so crispy, you actually don't even get to eat any of it because it all gets stuck in your teeth. And then there might be some dust from the communion wafer in your throat so they, they give you how much forgiveness to wash it down. 
like a shot glass for a first grader. They said, this is all the forgiveness you have in Christ. And every time I've looked at this, ever since I became a believer, I think this is the most ridiculous thing. I know it's symbolic. This is, this is Jesus. But why do we want a little bit of Jesus in the tiniest cup of forgiveness? So I tell the, the microchurches, the small groups, and on, on refuel night, when we, whenever we can do it, I like to sit down with people and get a loaf of bread. Like, just throw your gluten intolerance out the window and get bread and just eat it and salivate over it. And if you have to, take some gas X over it. And don't just drink a little cup of forgiveness. Like, if get a Welch's, a quart of it. And if you're watching your calories or whatever, get Welch's light grape juice. And as much forgiveness as you want, you just pour that in. And sit around a table with other brothers and sisters in Christ and say, this is what Jesus has done for me this week. This is what God has forgiven me of this week. This is what communion is. And, and we've turned it into this moment in modern churches where, where you just think internally, you say sorry to God, and then you take the elements. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like it's just a knockoff of what Jesus was trying to accomplish. He was eating a meal, and this was a tense meal. Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed, and he outed Judas at this dinner. Have you guys ever had that holiday dinner where um, you feel it going bad? Has anyone ever had that? That might only be me. Okay. So, like, Thanksgivings, Christmases, pretty much any time when a group of people get together, my wife will pregame me. She'll say, okay, Ryan, don't talk. <laughs> don't antagonize anybody. So before people come over, I'm in my bedroom just praying, lashing myself, Lord, help me be good. And we get, we get to the dinner table, and it takes everything in me. Because the Lord gave me a few things, and I don't know if this is the Lord's or not, but I have a fountain of sarcasm. So I just have to, like, crank that thing way down. But you know when you, you, know when you take water pressure and you try to shut off the valve, and all it does is it leaves a tiny crevice for a laser beam of pressure to come out. That's nearly every other family gathering I've had since 1981. I can't imagine the tension in the room. Jesus reclining at the table. And get, get white Jesus out of your head. This, this is Middle Eastern, Jewish Jesus. They, these guys aren't showering regularly. There's no redheads in the group. It's not Peter with like this crew cut. These are guys who are fishermen, who are dirty, who smell. These are guys who are arguing about who's the best constantly. And up to this point, Jesus is saying, you guys just don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. That's the book of Mark is the disciples don't get it. And God wants to help them get it. And Jesus finally says, look, we're going to make this simple. This is my body. If you want life, you must consume me, have me in you. And then he gives them the cup. And in the Gospel of Mark, it's interesting. It says that he, he gives thanks and he gives it to them and they all drank out of it. And then he goes, that's my blood, <laughs> which is a little weird. If somebody says that to you, like if you're at somebody's house drinking a nice cab and someone said, BTW, I put a little bit of my Hep A in your glass of wine. <laughs> Jesus wanted them to know these things that we're doing, these symbols, they're for you to come together around me. And this is the beginning of communion of the church. This is the beginning of church people fighting. 
because wherever two or three are gathered, a new denomination is forming. Jesus would go on from that awkward dinner where he said, whoever's going to dip next is going to betray me. And Judas just goes up and gets on the betrayal path. And then the, the passion of the Christ happens. And we did that back in Easter from the Gospel of Mark. So you have to go podcast that if you missed it, if you want to hear it. And then, and then Jesus resurrects from the dead. And it's triumphant and amazing. But he's about to leave, and the disciples still don't understand. And after he resurrected, he was in a room with his disciples, and he says something very, very unique. Jesus, in John 20, 22, said he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had someone breathe on you? Breathe on the person next to you if you don't know him. Breathed. Now, if, if you don't know this, this is for church nerds, Bible nerds. Uh, the word for spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same word for wind and for breath and for spirit. It can be translated all of those ways. It's ruach in the Old Testament and pneuma in the New Testament, and it's the same word. So whenever you see breath, wind, or spirit, know that that's the exact same word. So it's, it's literally Jesus said, I'm, I'm spiriting on you. Just like when he whipped up Adam, and what did he do to bring Adam to life? but now it's a new breath. It's the breath that gives them the Holy Spirit. So there's this group of people, and now they have the Spirit of God living in them. This is the first time. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would go in, but then go out of people. This is the first time in the history of the Bible and redemptive history that the Spirit of God is now going to live inside of broken people. The power of God in us. The Spirit of God in us. The heart of God in us. And this is the beginning of what we call church. Fast forward to the book of Acts. They're all gathered together, and only a few of them have, had been breathed on by the Holy Spirit. Only a few of them had been spirited on. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls like tongues of fire and rushing winds, and it rests on their heads, and they speak in tongues unknown, and they talk about the, the glories of God. 3,000 people became followers of Jesus that day. 3,000 people. As a pastor, first thing you think of is, how many potlucks is this? How do I organize this? How do we baptize this? How do we get these people? Do they all fill out connect cards or not? 3,000 people had the Holy Spirit fall upon them. And this is, this is where it all starts, the growing pains the growing pains of what it means to be the church now that Jesus has ascended and sent his spirit to dwell within his people. And we ask, wait a second. If I have the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit in me, and so do other believers, why is there so much pain, jacked up tormentness in the world, in our churches? Why is there so much division? Why is there so much sin? Well, this is, this is the great battle. It's it's the bridge because the Gospels tell us the good news. G gospel means good news. Christianity is not good advice about what you can do to make yourself better. It's good news about what's been done for you because you and I are train wrecks of humans who need a Savior. And the letters, the epistles, are teaching us, if you believe in the Gospel, this is what it looks like, and now this is how it will transform you. The Corinthian church. You guys, I... <laughs> 
I did a little exercise in my brain, and I'm not going to share it with you. But here's the exercise I did this week. Because I'm familiar with a lot of the churches in the area, because I've got friends from like Apollo Beach out to like Lithia area and then up into Brandon area. I thought, let me think about which churches in the area are like which epistles. Okay, who are the nerds? That's the book of Romans. I know who that church is. I'm not going to say who it is, but you all know what I'm thinking. Starts with a B, ends with shoals. They're the nerdy ones. I like them. I love Bible nerds. They got BCF. They got Bible studies. They get in those. If you're not in those because we don't have them, go to Bell Shoals and take them. Some of you do, and you should. Bible is good. And then you think, like, who are the people who are just, like, the joyful worshipers? They're the ones that are just exuberant. They're, like, out there. They're the ones where the congregation members bring their own cowbells and tambourines. It's like all the Pentecostal churches. They got us covered. And I thought, who is the most jacked up, grimy church around. Who's the ones that just keep having sin and just wild things, marriages that are like broken and then restored, kids that are wayward and returning? Who's the church who reads the Bible and is like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I don't know how to do that. That's us. That's that's why we're doing the book of Corinthians. The book of Corinthians is the church taking every wrong step, and Paul, the apostle, saying, what is going on? Now, granted, no one here that I'm aware of is, has a, a man sleeping with his stepmom. That's happening in the Corinthian church. True story. No one that I'm aware of here is just like suing one another because that happened in the Corinthian church lawsuits. No one here, as far as I know, is uh, getting hammered off communion wine. That was happening in, in the Corinthian church. A, because those little cups, it's a lot of those little cups, right? Like, let's be real. And we have Welch's grape juice, so we'd have to leave that in the fridge for a long time. The Corinthian church was separating. The rich over here, the poor over here. When we have communion, we get the big bread, you get the little wafers. We get the nice wine, you get the franzia. And they kept on breaking and dividing. And the Corinthian church said, well, I follow this guy and I follow that guy. We've never had that problem here in the pseudo-south of Florida. Well, my church is this church. This is where we're the greatest church. Remember our slogan from a few months back, Chapel Family? If you don't know this slogan, this is our official slogan unofficially. Join the Chapel Family. We are the okayest church around. That's it. This is the growing pains of the church. From this Last Supper moment where Jesus said, remember, the core of Christianity is simple. I am your life and I am your forgiveness. Come to me, live in me, consume me, be all about me. And then the church gets the Holy Spirit and they're like, Let's do dumb stuff. Are you guys familiar with these, um, you know, sort of, and I, I hate to use this illustration. Don't, don't drink beer today, but you know the illustration, hold my beer? You know that? It's like when someone does something stupid and you think it couldn't possibly get any stupider than that. And it's like, you know, hold my beer. It'll get stupider, more and more stupider. It's basically like watching any politics right now, any politics. It's just like, hold my beer, hold my beer, hold my beer, down the line. doesn't matter which party you are. They're all just holding my beer all the way down. The church, the early church, went through these growing pains. But I want you to see something that was beautiful, something that was so marvelous right in the beginning. Acts chapter 2. This is the church at its purest form before division, before brokenness could enter in in deep, great ways. This is what it looked like when the Holy Spirit came down. And this is the bridge getting us to the letters of, of how did we go from this picture to the Corinthian church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. 
and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This was the infancy stage when everything was so beautiful. It's, so, confession, the newborn babies are ugly, okay? If, but if you do have a baby at the chapel, just so you know, chapel babies are proven statistically to be 17% cuter than all other babies around. But that's only after they grow out of that weird alien red thing that my kids go through. My kids all come out looking like Chewbacca, which is weird because I can't even grow a beard. Anyway. There's that phase, you know that phase, it's like, I think it's like three or four weeks in, and you just look at your baby, and they're just so perfect, and they even smell good. I don't know what baby shampoo manufacturers put in that baby magic, but it's magic. Because if you walk up to any human and sniff them, it looks weird. I did it to someone this morning. I, I, I sniffed Brett. I said, whatever shampoo you were doing, it's working for you. And he just looked at me like, okay, we've been on vacation. That's too close, you know. But, but there's something about babies. You look at them and you just, and there's something about how soft their heads are. Not their Chewbacca top of their heads for my kids, but their foreheads. And you kiss their little foreheads. And it's so perfect. And then there's something weird that happens when your baby is so adorable. Like Bella right now, she's still, she's adorable. She just turned one. She's amazing. She just learned to crawl on the couch. She can't walk. But she learned to crawl up on the couch, which means yesterday she learned how to fall on the tile. See, I had that reaction. Because this church, to me, not as a pastor, just as a follower of Jesus, this picture that we see, I look at it and say, that's, that's it. It's, it's so simple. They come together. They eat together all the time. They talk about what God's doing in their lives. They just get in the word and they pray with each other. If someone has a need, like, oh, I've got a need. Oh, I've got something I could sell. Sell that. Meet your need. It's amazing. We try to copy this with things like benevolence funds and, and weird budgeting things. Ultimately, what we've done is we've taken this very simple, radical commitment to one another in the spirit of Christ, and we've, we've seen accidents happen. I mean, no wonder people were coming day by day. Wouldn't you want to go be part of a family who met together and ate food all the time? I mean, if you don't know Filipino people, when they cook for one, they cook for a hundred. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a need and not just say, hey, I have this need, can you pray for me? But say, hey, I've got this need, and then someone says, oh, I'm going to meet your need. <laughs> someone recently at the chapel they were, they were struggling with something, and they, they just they came up and they said, said I need $1,000 to get through this month, $1,000. Now, spoiler alert, I didn't give it to them. I said, I'm going to pray for you. But lo and behold, someone else contacted me. And this is the stuff I get to see as a pastor all the time that you guys don't get to see. And I want to share it with you because it's beautiful. And they said, hey, we want to bless this person with some money, but we want to do it anonymously. Can you make that happen? Yep, made it work out. And I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing, 
can you tell me how much so I know how much to whatever? And they said, oh, it's $1,000. I was like, oh, oh really? Because a week before, this person told me they need $1,000. I'm like, oh, that's, that's some churchy stuff right there. That's not like the drama, the board meetings, the bureaucratic red tape, the got to do this, budget that, youth group this, camp that, baptism, no lights are broken. It's none of that. That's like someone's got a need and someone else met the need. Now imagine if that just caught on and that became us. Here's what happens next. This church, it's so beautiful. One day will be my 10-year-old. Oh, my goodness, you guys. The end of summer battles we are having right now. Between my beautiful Bella, who all she does is eats and falls on tiles, Savannah, who can stomp her way out of any situation, Silas, he disappeared for like a third of the summer, literally didn't see him, don't know where he went. He just popped up back up with a tan. And then Jackson, I know exactly where he's been. He's basically a Fortnite professional now. But now we're like, you got to go to bed early. What time is early, Dad? Uh, let's start with 930. 9.30? Because we've been letting him stay up way too long. Okay, and here's my move as a parent. 9.30. Okay, fine, 9 o'clock. 9. Fine, 8.30. Keep going. Okay. Please, 9.30. And I don't even know. Some of you are parenting the teen years. I, I look at your teenagers and I think, God bless you. Some of you have adult children. I look at you guys and think, I'm going to kill my kids before they become adults. So I'm spared of all that. No. It's growing pains. The church started out so pure and so innocent, and things were working in a simple way. Simple. few things they did, and it worked. And then we started adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. And we forgot who we are. We forgot who Jesus is. We forgot that he's the main point. And it's not a pastor. It's not one church gathering. We forgot that Jesus breathed on us. And Jesus has given us his spirit so that we are now the body of Christ. So that whatever Jesus did when he was in his body, we now the body should do those things that Jesus did. Feeding the poor, caring for the orphans, fostering children, adopting kids who don't have families. Keeping it simple. But man, church drama's coming. Paul spent a year and a half in the church at Corinth. And then he wrote 1 Corinthians after he had left because he heard rumors, rumors of division. I like this pastor, not that pastor. I like this theology, not that theology. I like this Bible translation, not that Bible translation. I like this worship, more traditional, a little blended, maybe contemporary, too modern. Don't yell, don't scream, no hand raise, no hand raise, up, down, I don't know. We have all these things to divide over. And Paul says, you guys have forgotten the core of it all, that Jesus came to die and rise again for you, that it's about him and no one else. Now let me show you what that looks like in regards to your sexuality. Let me show you what that looks like in, the, in regards to how you live your daily life with eating and food. Let me show you how gifted you are because of the spirit within you. And Paul goes through the book of Corinthians and says, we're, we're going to grow up now. Chapel family, we're, we're going to grow up this next series. We're going to grow up because we're going to talk about church drama. And guess what's going to happen when we start talking about church drama? There's going to be church drama. You know how I know? Because Satan sucks. 
That's as eloquently as I could put it. This week, I had a little bit of a weird week, and I, I accidentally prayed to Satan. I don't know if you call it praying, but I was praying to God. I was like very passionate, and I felt like my prayers were being bombarded with distractions. So I literally said, Satan, go to hell already. I got like he was there. Now, in case you don't know, Satan's not omnipresent like God. He's somewhere some, doing something. But I, I just was so mad at him. I just said, go, go to hell already. I'm, I'm tired of this. It's going to be difficult for some of us to grow up because some of us are going to have to take a sober look in the mirror about how we view sexuality and marriage. Some of us are going to take a clear look in the mirror about what it means to be the church and not just attend a church. But you guys, I'm very excited. Because as much as it is funny to joke about my kids, it's amazing. And, and I know that some of you with kids older than me are looking at me like, you're so silly. But to, to make a human, to make a human, like I tell my kids all the time, like, I made you. Like, not when I'm mad at them, when I'm happy with them. Like, I just look at Jackson sometimes, and, and he, he's so adorable. He's like a baby giraffe just gangling around, and sometimes I'll just hold him and and he, we just got him shoes. His feet are bigger than my wife's feet now. He's like a hobbit. And I just, I just hold him. I'm like, Jackson, I made you. And I'll kiss him. I'm like, Dad, stop it. Stop. I know you made me. That's gross, Dad. But you don't understand. I tell Bella. I don't tell her anything. She can't understand. Don't fall in the tile. Bella likes her mom more, so I'm in a feud with Bella right now. I'm like, if you want to go to your mom and your grandma before me, fine. Just remember that at the end of the day, I pay the bills in this house. <laughs> I just made someone say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> but they grow up. And the goal, the goal is for them to go from people who receive Christ who have fellowship with Christ, who receive the spirit of Christ, who understand what it means to be the church in the simplest, basic of ways, and then to raise them up to be what God has called them to be. I'm not trying to raise four kids in my image. I'm raising four kids in God's image. They're not even my kids. I'm just a steward of them. I'm taking care of them until I can launch them out, ideally between 18 and 19. And I don't want them to go out and, and be less than me. I want them to have more faith than me. I want them to be more intelligent, more emotionally in tune with the world, more able to make an impact in the world for Christ. It's, it's my job is to launch my children out to be whatever God has called them to be. And that's what Corinthians, I pray, will do for us. So next week, Corinthians. We're breaking it up into seasons because we're all addicted to Netflix. Season one is church drama, baby mama drama. Season two is sex. I'm calling that season Sex God. Stay tuned. The church is going to grow during that season, FYI. We're going to talk about sex for eight weeks. Ah! The Simple Life is after that. Be Church is season four. A PhD in Resurrection is season five. And then it's really going to be five seasons and a movie. Chapter 16 is going to be The Farewell. That's going to be the rhythm we're going to be in for the better part of a year. And in between seasons, we're going to have like a season finale. Then we're going to have a three-week break with other people and, and me preaching on little micro topics. And then we're going to have a season two premiere. Just because I feel like it'll be fun to be nerdy and sort of pop culture-y. But then just go through the Bible verse by verse like I love to do. 
and we're going to grow up. Some of us are going to have to to change our gods because we've been living for a God of something else. We've been living for a God of control instead of the God who controls all. We've been living for a God of pleasure instead of Jesus who gives us everlasting pleasures at the right hand of God. We've been living for a God of success and money or achievements instead of living for Jesus who achieved all that we need and gives us all that we could ever possibly have. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to grow up. Because right now, some of you are the Bellas. You're just falling You're cute, but you're falling on the tile. Some of you are savannas. You just lost a tooth because you got in a tug-of-war fight holding a blanket in your mouth. Some of you are like Silas. You disappeared all summer, and I'm going to see you back next week. That's a church joke for pastors. Some of you are like Jackson. You're trying to figure out who you are and your identity and I pray that all of you will be what all my, pray all my kids will be one day, to find exactly the unique gifting and calling that God has upon your life, in your life, in your life, to be part of a community that meets needs, devotes to the word and to prayer, so that we can see the wonders of God performed among us. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we've walked a little bridge from, from Mark dabbling in Acts, and I pray that we're prepared next week to jump into Corinthians headfirst. Lord, I, I want to grow. I want to put away childish things. I want to get off of the bottles and the sippy cups, and I want to sit down with you and with my chapel family. Help us, God, to never be turned away from the good news. Help us to be a church that is committed to your word that never changes. Help us to be a church that is committed to understanding that we are worse than we think. And that's good news because that means you love us more than we ever imagined. Help us, God, to press into you this school year. I thank you, Lord, for the way you've loved me. Thank you for the way you've carried us through. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen.